Here's today's reminder. If your church is going to grow, you have to equip your leaders. But how do you do this? How do you empower the leaders at your church to lead well? Join us at equiplab.com backslash church leaders. We're here to equip your ministry team to thrive. Just go to equiplab.com backslash church leaders and join us today. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day, and in this four-part series, we'll explore how the church can pursue true racial reconciliation. Now, race is a conversation that is often fraught with difficulty. Even where we recognize trends and what different communities believe, people are complex and have differing perspectives within those communities. Nevertheless, as Christ followers, we believe that Jesus is the ultimate source of truth, justice, and redemption. Working from that foundation, we're inviting trusted ministry leaders into conversation with us so that we can listen to and learn from them on this important subject. Some of the questions we explore are, how can believers pursue gospel-centered racial reconciliation, and what gets in the way of that pursuit? And what are the practical steps church leaders can take to address racial divides? While a podcast series can only begin to scratch the surface of this complex topic, we hope you'll find our series to be thought-provoking, encouraging, and informative. And now, on to this week's special guest. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. I'm joined today by Dr. Doug Logan, Jr., Doug planted and pastored Epiphany Fellowship Church in Camden, New Jersey. After transitioning the church to the next generation of leadership, Doug was appointed by the Acts 29 Network to serve as the director of the Diversity Initiative. He's trained pastors around the world on urban ministry and church planting and is the author of On the Block, Developing a Biblical Picture for Missional Engagement. Doug is the founder and president of Grimke Seminary, which trains up pastors and planters who are characterized by theological clarity, cultural engagement, and missional innovation. Above all, Doug is a man of great joy, which you will hear throughout our conversation today. Now, in this episode, Doug and I discuss why attempts at restorative healing can fall short because we often miss the foundation and clarity for any type of real reconciliation. Doug identifies some of the greatest obstacles the American church faces when it comes to racial reconciliation and encourages us with thoughtful approaches to developing unity of mission. This is such a fun and insightful conversation. You'll want to pass this along to all of your colleagues. So let's dive into my conversation with Dr. Doug Logan Jr. Doug, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. It is so good to have you with us today. Awesome, man. So good to be here, brother. Thank you for all your work for the gospel, man. We appreciate you. Awesome. Now, now, Doug, can you just tell us a little bit about your background and the work that God has called you to as a pastor, as a church planter, as a ministry leader? Well, yeah, man. I, man, I'm just a little, little joker from the hood. Grew up in Patterson, New Jersey, and um, man, got called to pastor um, in a lot of urban contexts: Kensington, section of Philadelphia, and then. Um, I served under Dr. Eric Mason, where I did my residency um, along at 10th Presbyterian Church under Paul Tripp. And they sent me together to Camden to plant Epiphany Camden back in 2011, which was my great joy to pastor in the hood of Camden, New Jersey. It was rough and rugged, but it was um, an awesome, awesome moment. I I can't believe God used me for anything. I don't care if he sent me to Camden. I was an enemy. Then I became a son and staff. I'll take any way he sends me. 
And so from there, um, served there. I served with Acts 29 in a bunch of capacities. And um, um, I was asked to build out urban ministry for Acts 29 as a network. Acts 29, of course, a church planning network headed up by um, Matt Chandler as our president. And I was asked in 2017 to build out our urban ministry, which was then called Church in Our Places, which we went around the world really training and developing and resourcing best we could by God's grace urban leaders from Liberia all the way to Flint, Michigan, which was a lot of work, exhausting, but it was good exhaustion, not like burnout, but like after a good workout, after you've been eating too much. <laughs> and um, so it was it was good exhaustion. And then from there, man, um, I served as pastor of Camden. We planted a bunch of churches out of there. Um, I got an army of spiritual sons who love me, who, um, man, just are a blessing to me. I got nieces and nephews of every race. Um, <laughs> that I get to get love from and that I get to love. And then more recently, about 2018, 2019, Lord put in my heart a vision for a seminary. And along with um, an army of brothers I love and Dr. Tony Marita, Brian Lachlan, my pastor there, where I now live in Richmond. Um, man, we, we built out a seminary called Grimke Seminary and we wanted to make sure we were training for that great commission that all nations so we want inner city and we want center city planters trained, sent and equipped in partnership with their churches, man, because um, we need we need cats that that are I like to call them Barizakarians. I need cats that know the Bible and the times. The Bible says the sons of Issachar understood the times. The Bible says the Bereans understood the word. So I need a Barizakarian. <laughs> I like it. So. So we're trying to do that. So that's that's pretty much my background, man. Married with three kids, three grandkids, and um, man, just enjoying serving Christ while before I go to heaven. I love it. I love it. Like what what I love about you is uh, there's just such a sense of joy for you. You know, as you're as you're describing all these adventures you've had with God over the years, um, I love to I love that sense that comes from you in that. Now, without a doubt, you shared you have a ton of experience when it comes to missionally engaging uh, specifically urban communities. And in fact, you you literally wrote kind of the book on it, right? On the block. Um, uh, and you, you focused in on that and you've trained pastors, as you said, around the world. Can you share from your experiences any insights that you have gained about how, how Christ followers can move toward true racial reconciliation because we see that sometimes is, is a great challenge um and so how have you seen that what what things have you witnessed where you've seen positive movement in that direction well you know jason i like to frame up the conversation about racial reconciliation with just reconciliation because that's what we've been given and the place i always bounce off of of course we're gonna we're gonna deal with the racial aspects of that but man um I've heard this conversation so many times and I get so confused when I listen, especially when we're talking about the church that you just mentioned, man. So I'm just a little Bible boy. I, I just got a regular old Bible, you know, and I just try to use it best I can. I ain't that good, but I try to do my best. So first, so second Corinthians 520 says, therefore we are ambassadors of Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And so this whole idea of reconciliation is this hostility gone and a real re right relationship being there, man. Um, yeah, 
this is who we are as believers. And I love that we can only remember reconciliation can only happen when because God does it. And so all the, the, the fall, when we talk about we talk about um, reconciliation, we often reduce the fall in the garden in Genesis three to like an argument and a disagreement that needs a conversation and a tweak. No, it was a cosmic fall. <laughs> it, it, the, 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 the leaves are brown because of what happened in the garden when Adam sinned. Like hurricanes exist. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this medication I'm taking for high blood pressure came from that moment in that. And so it's a cosmic fall, which requires a cosmic answer. So reconciliation is so big. And we talk about it as if reconcil biblical reconciliation is like Dr. Phil mm -hmm. to help us become better friends. Nah, God's reconciliation is going to fix the world. <laughs> and so when we apply something in front of it, like race, if it's going to fix the leaves not being brown again, and the lion and the lamb are going to lie together, well, how much will it do for those black and white or black and black or any race of people? Because it, it's not color. I mean, we have two two tribes in Africa that are the same color that may hate each other, right? And so this reconciliation is the removal. If I was on the block, I would say it would be the squashing of the beast. It would be the removal of the hostility, but that hostility had to land somewhere. And we, me and you know, it landed on Jesus. Mm. So because my white brothers and myself and anybody else who I'm not reckoned, who I'm not walking in, Recon reconciliation with. I am reconciled if I'm in Christ and you're in Christ. I'm just not doing it. Mm. But he has reconciled me. That is my position. My posture is weak. That means I'm acting like I'm not who God has made me through his cross and belief in his gospel. So some of the places, so I just want to frame it with that to say, so when I run up on a Christian who is talking in a way that is not being who he is as a believer in Jesus, which makes me his brother, nothing he can do about it. He is commanded to love me. He's commanded to let me go in his refrigerator without me asking. He's <laughs> commanded to be my brother. The way I've seen it happen is, man, I often believe, and my wife will tell you, <laughs> the conciliation comes after the confrontation. Right. So when I make dinner and I leave stuff everywhere, <laughs> she doesn't just clean up behind me and say, don't worry about it. We're reconciled. Nah, because we ain't. She's mad. So she says, hey, <laughs> you are upsetting me. This is not right. And so where I've seen it happen is where um, people of different races, people of different of the same race, different tribes and different things, when they have an authentic confrontation, which is okay for Christians because we are already family. That can't be changed because we're mad at each other. Mm -hmm. So when those confrontation conversations happen, it often leads to clarity of the relationship. And it often brings out the breach somewhere else, often in our 
reduced understanding of the gospel. And then when I find out that I have a weird view that's unbiblical and I'm like, Jason, the reason I don't, you know, we're having this beef is because this. And then you say, but brother, look at first Corinthians, look at Galatians. And I'm like, yeah, I'm off. So those confrontations that create the conversation often creates the reconciliation that we already have that we now begin to live out. I've seen that happen for me at Grimke Seminary as president, African-American. I mean, our, you know, a picture of reconciliation is the building we're in. It's built in the 50s, 1850 by slaves. Mm. Now, the son of this slave is the president in that building. And um, we have black and whites, Asian, Latino, all types of people come through there. And so that's that gospel picture. And so I just got to make you act like my brother when you don't. That's recon- that's racial reconciliation within the body of Christ. Of course, the world can't accomplish that without Jesus. And that's why when there's these bootleg attempts to do this conversational reconciliation, it lacks the cosmic punch of Jesus' death on the cross, bearing my wrath because of his perfect life. And when we get that cosmic punch that Christians have, man, and when we act like it, hopefully our neighbors that don't know them will say, they shouldn't be friends. <laughs> but look, <laughs> they mad at each other, but look, they're hugging. And um, so that's the prayer. And I'm sorry, that was too long of an answer. No, that's good. That, that's super, <laughs> that's very helpful. That's very helpful. Um, as pastors and ministry leaders in our local context, um, when we're, we're really um, sincerely seeking on how we can bridge some of these divides that are in our communities, what are some of the, the first steps, most practical steps um, that you can recommend that pastors and ministry leaders take in their communities? Well, remember, as, as the community of, as, as the gospel community, as the church, um, we recognize that people who don't know Jesus don't listen to our Bible or trust our God and have a Holy Spirit in them that's going to guide them to us. So what we don't want to do is we don't want to heal the neighborhood with conversations about we should be friends. So the missional engagement should flow out of recognizing that we are sent to reach all nations with the gospel and that reconciliation that that break the, the, the division that flood our world and then specifically for planters, our neighborhoods, is driven by this big ugly thing called the fall. And so from that, we gotta have find a way to have a gospel conversation that's in culture that frames up our hopes based on the word of God. So the easy example I can give you is when we would do outreaches in Camden, New Jersey, where I pastored, yes, I gave book bags and food. And no, you weren't required to accept Christ to get it. (laughs) Yet, my conversations my love surrounded them around a bunch of believers who, who served with me at the church. And we sought to frame up what it looks like to see this neighborhood 
break down from our racial divisions, our gang divisions. Because remember, the world is loaded with divisions from from gangs to races to denominations. Everybody's is mad at each other and fighting um, political views, all types of views from cancel culture to divisions on anything. And so the church is sent to say, hey, you can't accomplish the unity without Jesus. So we are not here to force unity, turn or burn right this moment. So what I taught my people was we have to have a crockpot vision for seeing the seeing our community walk in unity, because if it only comes through the gospel, then we have to be here for the long haul mm-hmm. to love, labor and live amongst them that we might. Colossians 4 says, get an opportunity for the word. So one thing I've done is I've continued to share, hey, I know you're upset. I know your son is, has been shot and he's in a hospital. Why is this happening, Pastor Doug? There was this thing called the fall, man, and it was major. It was cosmic. And it was also this beautiful thing called the cross. Mm-hmm. And that's the inbreaking of the shalom that is coming. So I'm here to tell you, man, this, this healing we're hoping for, this unity comes through the gospel. And I'm praying and I'm here because I want you to believe it. And in that is our hope for authentic unity. And so, but they say, I don't believe that right now, Pastor Doug. So you know what I do? I'm a crockpot, baby. I'm still here fostering that unity through cookouts, through book bag drives, through invitations to my house, through conversations, through small groups, through serving in the city, through redoing basketball courts, making the parks nice, getting rid of some drug corners to the best of my ability. Those are the things. But I don't give up. I'm here for the long haul. I'm a crockpot Christian. Um, because everybody's not going to agree with my vision for reconciliation, <laughs> right? but I'm hoping they do. So I'm going to be here ready when they do. And, um, and by God's grace, man, I've seen people come to faith. I pastored in Camden from 2011 to 2018. I've had conversions in 2020 from people I was sharing the gospel with, <laughs> That whole time right. who tried to accomplish unity without Jesus. And they finally came to the reality they couldn't. And then they remembered all those crazy conversations, all that crazy food, all that, all that water, ice and ice cream that we ate and laughed and talked about what, what it could be and got converted nine years later. So reconciliation cost you something. It cost you a commitment to be a crockpot Christian and to be there. The whole journey. Yeah, I love I love that. Doug. I love that the idea of because um, oftentimes I think in our society we know this. We look for quick fixes. Yes. And what you're talking about is the gospel, as powerful as the gospel is, and the, and the gospel can do things instantaneously. We've seen that. We've all seen that. Yes. But, but the beauty of the gospel is the gospel doesn't give up. Christ doesn't give up. Right. Doesn't right. Give up on us. So it's that long, patient, um, ongoing uh, journey. That, that we see is, is so vital when it comes to overcoming a lot of these divisions. Absolutely. Doug, Doug can, you, can you tell me, what do you see are some of the greatest obstacles, you know, specifically here in, in America when it comes to, and, and the American church, um, when it comes to kind of um, 
overcoming a lot of these racial divides that we see because um, there's been a lot of racial tension and uh, you know how how is the church able to lean in and and what are those obstacles that are kind of hindering us in 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 bridging these divides yeah i think the church and i'll blame me i mean as a church planner man i was in camden new jersey most dangerous most violent most poor city in america man i man i was trying to you know, let my kids play on the swing without getting shot at, you know. And so often pastors can get caught in the weeds of ministry demands. And then we don't preach a humongous Jesus. Mm. We preach often a situational Jesus. And we got to preach a bigger Jesus, man. He is ginormous. That's good. Um, he is absolutely ginormous. So if we preach him as a uh, 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 mediator because I'm mad at just a person and not as the cosmic Christ that fixes things, then people will have a low view of the church's role in the world. And I will begin to operate like the gospel is just a comfy couch to be able to explain how you shouldn't, how we should be friends. It's more than that. So that's, that's, that's one of our obstacles is I don't think we're preaching a big enough Jesus. The Bible preaches a big Jesus, a humongous Jesus. And we've turned him into sin and salvation sometimes. And he's so much bigger than sin and salvation. Another thing is I think that we don't recognize that humans are naughty by nature. I'm an old, 90s hip hop, or you know, the group Naughty by Nature. We're Naughty by Nature. We, by nature, have a naughtiness as pertained to division, particularly, and our fight for supremacy, actually, that we do. I mean, when I'm pushing to be in charge, there's a level of supremacy. When I'm arguing, when, when there's racism or division or fights, often it's somebody trying to be supreme. Mm. And we've got to continue to push the gospel as this great equalizer. Everybody without Christ has no relationship with Christ and no hope and no God. And so when we begin to do that, um, I think some of the conversations we're having will, the big Jesus and the reality of our brokenness, that's why the scriptures say dead in trespasses and sins, not sick, or not needing to be tweaked. No, Jesus didn't die for a tweak. <laughs> Jesus died to make me fully alive, to awaken me. Awaken you, sleeper, and Christ will shine on you, right? And so therefore, and the second thing is we, we lack a gospel and race conversation that's clear, concise, and healthy. I can be an emotional dude when it comes to race. I, if I deal with racism and division, you know, I get mad because, you know, I'm from the hood. I'm like, you better stop. You know, I'll get my cousin. <laughs> and I've got to remember that I'm a pastor. I'm a Christian. I have an answer for our division. And um, we've lacked a, an Imago day grounding an understanding who we are. We lack that, that anthropology, man, who we are. We need that we need an anthropology for the new members class. Yeah. And because we have a lack of those things, our disciples become anemic to 
the gospel in race, the gospel in division. We, 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 we lose that. And we've got to beef that up in ways where our seminaries invest are part of doing that. Our publishing houses help us think through that so we can change the narrative. Mm. So our regular member of the church, not just a pastor, can talk about being being made in the image of God and being made to the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. When those get driven home in a more robust way into our discipleship, it will change this generation and the and those disciples will then make missional disciples that have a healthy gospel-centered understanding of gospel and race. Therefore, a lot of those divisions will come down just by virtue of the word of God that already exists. Because remember, we're not selling anything new. Hmm. We're going to get them to say what they already are. It's that Simba Mufasa, right? Remember who you are. And we forget. Right. And so, because if if you get in an argument, if I get an argument with you, Jason, me and your believers, like, I'm not going to go outside in some extra biblical sociological book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to grab this thing right here. Right. And I'm going to say, Jay, we can't, we can't do that. And when I'm off, you're going to say, Doug, the gospel says, and then it's supposed to break my heart. Right. Cause I want to honor Christ. And right. if I'm not going against gospel, I'm out of line with the gospel, man, we got to do it. So I think we just, we have to beef up our discipleship. And a lot of the arguments that are happening lack a biblical, have a biblical illiteracy to it. Mm. When our disciples, the disciples we're making in our churches and our churches walk in unity of understanding with a more robust understanding of the gospel and race, these arguments are quenched with a verse and a hug often. Like, that's wrong. Yeah, I didn't see that. Come here, give me a hug. Most mm -hmm. of them are. Some of them are more deeply rooted, right. which speak to the idols of our hearts. And the things we don't want, the things that we hold on to that we're wrong. But a lot of them just lack understanding, haven't been discipled in that way, haven't been taught. Because many pastors haven't been discipled in that way and haven't been taught. So we got multi-generational, uninformed believers. Mm. And we got to fix that. And then it will begin to um, work itself out. Because when we get into these debates, we're going to go to the scriptures. We're going to talk about the Imago Day. We're going to talk about Genesis 3. We're going to talk about anything um, that the world by nature is divided and only the gospel can fix that. How do I know? He says, take the gospel to all nations. And from those nations, he's pulling out the people that believe this gospel. They abandon, repent, abandon your way, adopt my way, and adapt to the word of God and live according to me. What does that say about this? What? You know, we've got creeds arguing all these, don't we, Jason? Yeah. We've got creeds for justification, sanctification. We got mm -hmm. the, we got the, you know, the, the Athanasius Creed. We've got the Nicene Creed. We've got Apostles Creed. We've got the Heidelberg Catechism. We got the Westminster Catechism, and almost none of them really get after race and the gospel. And so we just need the church to help us process to see what God already says about it, so we can agree with it and walk. Mm, that's good. That's good, Doug. You, you mentioned the um, the need for the church uh, collective to help us kind of process through this. You, you talked about seminaries and, and publishing houses. Um, 
and, and kind of their responsibility and opportunity there. One, one of the big things here in America is there are a lot of independent churches, but there are also a lot of churches that are a part of a denomination. And uh, the largest denomination here in the U.S. is the Southern Baptist Convention. And um, there have been a lot of prominent um, black leaders who have, who have left uh, the Southern Baptist Convention um, over the last couple years. I, I'm curious, Doug, what are your thoughts on how um, denominations and these larger institutions within the church uh, need, to, need to approach and address um, these issues of racism? How can I frame this up without speaking to them? Because I don't know them, but I, let me talk. Let me talk more general, Jason. Give me a okay, little sure. bit of room here. Yeah. Denominations come alongside the church. Churches don't come alongside denominations. That's how I see it. And, mm-hmm. and I'm a denomination guy. I was in the PCA for many years. Mm-hmm. Denominations have to be structured biblically to the best of our ability. Of course, <laughs> there's no <laughs> verse for how to make that work. But the church is the vehicle, Ephesians 3, in which God is displaying his manifold wisdom. He is the vehicle. He is the vehicle that. That's the vehicle, the church, Paul tells us in Ephesians. So every denomination has to be submitted completely to the word of God. And in her mission, honor and be modeled after Christ in what they do. If there is, if that's not there, then we've, we're operating in a means that is hard to navigate relationship and to be able to call each other to something. So if I call you to something, but that's not the bylaws, but the Bible, then if the bylaws lead, then I don't have a Bible to push on you with if the bylaws supersede the Bible. But then when I go back to my church, I got the Bible again, but we come back to denomination. How do we process and see? And so we have to see the the way I try to say it, brother, is we have to see any denomination as, as of course, flawed because it's got humans. And we ain't figured it out yet how that works. But one thing, every denomination has to be submitted to Christ in her mission and in her mission and makeup. And when that's the case, then it becomes a beautiful helper to see the church accomplish a mission. The church is not designed to come alongside the denomination to see the denomination accomplish its mission. The denomination has to come alongside the church to help her accomplish the mission that Christ has called the church to. And that's displayed as manifold wisdom. So when we have racism or divisions in the denomination, man, we can't, just go to HR and to the bylaws, we've got to go to our Christ together on our knees and repent and be reconciled to one another. We just can't have meetings, HR meetings, where we go just according to things. We can't forget we're the church and um, the devil is a real enemy that would love to divide us. And if we don't acknowledge the reality that racism exists, divisions exist, then we're going to operate like a weird, like a weird thing. <laughs> and yes, yeah, this is this weird thing that has this, these, this mission, 
like other than the mission of the gospel. And then it, it gets fuzzy because the mission of the denomination and the mission of the gospel, if they're not aligned, then it, it's going to get confusing, weird, and it's going to be hard to navigate with unity. And so our unity is in the gospel. Our unity is in the mission of, of living out the gospel in community and reaching at least the last and the loss. And when the denomination lines up with the church with that, man, when there's divisions, you know what we do? We back at the Bible. But if we go to the bylaws, sometimes the bylaws don't align with the Bible. Mm -hmm. And when those two don't align, it's going to be hard to navigate healthy. And so that's why I think some leaders are leaving. And it's unfortunate um, because, um, man, the unity, the unity of an army of believers, what we could do mm. if, man, <laughs> and so... Yeah, we just got to, man, I don't have a real answer. I'm, listen, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm a network dude. I'm a denomination dude. It's broken. It's not perfect. We don't have a, I wish Paul would have emailed us, you know, like a manual, but we, we just don't got one. And so we just got to be at peace with all men as much as it depends on us. And we got to fight to be at the cross together, at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. So, man, we just got to keep driving ourselves to the cross and see Jesus in front of us and no other goal than gospel goals of living out the gospel and seeing the least lads and the lost get smacked in the face with the gospel and converted. When we do that, man, it's hard to disrupt that. It's just hard yeah. when we're on the scene. Even if we disagree on some stuff, you know what? When our hearts are bent that way, bro, it's hard to break that up. Kevin Durant just put up 45 last night, triple double. Like, like, bro, the dude was committed. He said, I ain't going out like that. And James Harden scored like a, a half a point and he was just out there, but they were committed to unity. They weren't going down. <laughs> and man, when you have that singular focus based on the vision of the coach, bro, we could change some stuff. And that's what I hope for the church of in America, particularly. And that's what I'm hoping for denominations that we could better align ourselves with the word of God, better align ourselves with a biblical mandate. And man, Hopefully that'll increase our unity um, um, around the unity we have. And man, I'm just hoping those divisions break down because we recognize we are reconciled to one another already in Christ. Amen. That all came at conversion. Act like who we are. In the hood, I would say, act like you know. <laughs> <laughs> you better act like you know I'm your brother. I ain't worried about your skin. I'm your brother. You better hug me. <laughs> That's awesome. Love it, Doug. Love it. Man, you, you're so inspiring. I thank you so much for making the time to to, to speak to our audience. Um, you're doing a lot of amazing things. Where can where can those who are listening in connect with you or, or your different ministries online? Well, um, of course, I, I serve. I get the blessed opportunity to serve as associate director of Acts 29. Um, and of course, you can go to acts29.com, check us out interested in planting a church, interested in some resources. We're doing a lot of um, building and rebuilding right now, which I'm so, so excited about. Acts 29 Urban, Acts 29 Espanol, and just the overall mission of Acts 29 Church Planting throughout the world. So you can jump on there. You can also jump on Grimke Seminary. Um, yeah, man, I serve as president and the dean of the School of Urban Ministry. I have the, the, the best students 
I'll I'll superimpose my braggadocious right now because I'll try to outdo them with honor by honoring them and love them. Only time the Bible lets me compete is to outdo somebody with honor. And um, man, so I love my students. I think we got the best in the world at Grimke Seminary. And um, yeah, so I'm man, what a man. I, I just can't believe sometimes God lets me have a job as his son working in the family business after I was such a wretch. But man, yeah, so you can jump on Grimke Seminary and check us out there. And um, on Facebook, man, I have a, 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 a little page called Dr. Doug Logan Jr. page. And I tweet and post some stuff um, on there occasionally. So jump on there, Dr. Doug Logan on Facebook. Of course, I'm on Twitter, Pastor D. Logue and Grimke Seminary in Acts 29. I dwell in those places. I move around a little bit, but man, the Lord is beyond gracious to me. Awesome, brother. Yeah, and we'll have links to to all of those in our show notes for our listeners so you can connect with Doug um, after listening to this. Doug, it has been such a pleasure to have you with us. Again, I love your joy um, and your enthusiasm. It's, It's absolutely beautiful. So God bless you, my friend. Love you, brother. Thank you so much, Jason, for all you do. Keep killing it for Jesus, bro. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Church Leaders Podcast. Be sure to check out the other episodes in this series. You don't want to miss out on the full discussion. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any of our interviews. We'd appreciate it if you could take just a few moments to let us know your thoughts by leaving us a review on your preferred podcast platform or sending an email to podcast at churchleaders.com. Your positive reviews and ratings help other ministry leaders find us and benefit from our content. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.